Welcome to Diverse Dialogues from IELTS USA. Each episode of our podcast draws together a diverse range of voices, including educators, administrators, students, and everyone in between, to explore topics vital to international education. Listen as these different perspectives build compelling, multifaceted dialogues around today's most pressing higher education themes. One quick programming note, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the guests on the podcast. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of IELTS USA. Today's episode is Languages, Influence on the Multilingual Student's Journey. I would always say that those who speak multiple languages have just a really significant advantage. IELTS believes language plays an extremely important role in the international student journey. Language proficiency in the language of instruction and accompanying social context has a profound effect on a student's ability to communicate, learn, and thrive. Students lacking the necessary proficiency may struggle academically, suffer from social isolation, may not be able to participate in the vibrancy of campus life in meaningful ways, and these factors can have long-term effects on positive student outcomes. At the same time, a multilingual student's additional language fluencies and the freedom to make use of those languages can support a richer, more inclusive educational experience, in some part by fostering a sense of recognition and belonging. IELTS wants to know, from perspectives across campus, how do higher education professionals and the students they serve balance the complex and expansive array of language influences to create cultural, academic, and social language environments that help international students to succeed, from the admissions process to graduation and beyond? First, let's start by meeting our guests. Absolutely. So I'm Kate Hellman. I'm the Director of International Student and Scholar Services at Washington State University, and I oversee all of the international services for the international community, including immigration for international students and scholars, ESL and related programs, and events, programs, community building, and retention services. I'm Dr. Nelson Bronsting, and I'm a research associate professor of international studies at Wake Forest University. I'm also director for the Center of Research on Abroad and International Student Engagement, that's the RAISE Center, and that's also at Wake Forest University. I am Ritika Garula, and I'm from India. Currently, I am studying master's in law uh, in in US. Uh, I'm at the University of uh, New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law, and I'm a practicing attorney from India. I've just moved here for my master's, so that's what brings me to US. My name is Christopher Connor. I'm the assistant dean and chief enrollment officer for graduate education at, in the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences at the University of Buffalo and State University of New York System. We'll begin with innovative ways that institutions are trying to meet the language needs of students. In particular, obviously, we have at Washington State an academic English program um, that has seven levels all the way from zero to advanced. um, And that's a content-based English for academic purposes program. But as we all know in this field, there's obviously the ongoing needs of the international community that aren't coming in under that benchmark for English, or maybe they're close to that point that they need some refinement and support. Um, So a couple of innovative things that we're doing, uh, one of them is a set of rich programs. We have both an undergraduate foundation and an international master's program. And those programs combine credit bearing courses with English language support courses together with a high level of support, um, academically, socially, culturally. Uh, The main one that we've done within the kind of last five years is we kind of did a joint hire between our global office and our writing program. So we could bring in a specialist in English language learning uh, in terms of 
writing and composition and inquiry for students. And that person's been great, not only in terms of being a, a wonderful support for students in their kind of introductory writing classes here at Wake Forest, uh, that individual has also been incredibly helpful for advisory panels, for working with our Center for Advancement of Teaching in providing other faculty kind of better awareness around some of the ways in which to best support students who are learning English while they're here, also learning whatever content they are in their other classes. And then that individual's also supported some of our research efforts, some of our programming. It's It's been pretty, really useful having him hired kind of in a joint contract that both were both provides opportunity for teaching and also kind of requires some focus on institution-wide support for understanding engagement and kind of professional development for faculty as well. Kate, do you have more? Another thing that we've been doing at Washington State is that we had started several years ago a learning support center that originally had been for students that were coming in, mainly taking intensive English. But we've expanded that center and changed it so that it's available to all culturally and linguistically diverse students. Obviously, that includes international students, but um, really have worked with the various different types of academic support that exists at the university and then to fill the gaps, whatever that looks like, just in terms of what does the writing center do? Well, what do they not do? How do we fill that with our learning support center, for instance? Uh, we also have English conversation tables, and the primary audience for that would be international scholars, um, as well as their dependents, but sometimes graduate students as well. And then we have a campus friends program that really functions more like a conversation partner. So that's a wonderful example um, of how you can continue to support students building their acquisition after they've started their degree program or moved past the intensive English portion. Chris, same question to you. So in particular, we are in our school about 75% international students of our student body. Um, we have a program called the SEAS 360, which is School of Engineering and Applied Sciences Professional Development Program. That professional development program assists all students, domestic and international, with the ability of developing their soft skills. Uh, so while you think of an engineering school by its very nature, very technical, very focused, uh, in a sense of analytical and technical, but we also provide soft skill training, which is meant to be an addendum to what they're learning in the classroom and helping arm them appropriately for career readiness. Uh, so the career readiness journey begins from day one when they're entering the university. So in addition to traditional uh, orientations that they have with their academic program or immigration orientations that they have as if they're an international student, we also require them to have a professionalism orientation and networking reception that they attend. Uh, in that session, that tees up for our CS 360 professional development program and introducing them to things such as ethics, academic integrity, leadership, emotional intelligence, communication, working with others. And then also, we are not just looking at international students in a silo. We try to encourage our domestic students and our international students, as well as those students from different cultures, to come together to have discussions and work on projects uh, and, and to be able to come together as a community. And since you alluded to it, let's talk about language and career development for graduating students. 
Yes. So as I mentioned with the SEAS 360 Professional Development Program, one of the important components of that is the career readiness journey through professional development. So we are very interested in the students um, being able to take classes and learning um, about how, you know, we say certain things. I know I'm going to get to this later on in the interview because there's one particular area I want to focus on. Um, in many cases, what we're showing on our websites and our how we have information con construed may not be the easiest way to, to be able to uh, you know, digest information from. So from the standpoint, we want students to be trained in the language of employers. So in many cases, what employers are looking for in job descriptions, career pathways, that language may be very uh, murky at best. So what we try to do is also translate for them from the language of the employer into the language that they may be coming from a different background in and understanding that it's not just about the job posting, it's more important about their individual skills and all that they've accumulated as students during their time here at the University of Buffalo in the School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. So make for us, language plays a critical role, not only in culture and language, how they're intertwined, but the language of learning of how can they be best prepared to bridge that gap to the career and professional employment? And are they articulating clearly enough through written communication, through listening, uh, through the ability to speak, that they have the ability to be marketable in, that, in the, the current employment market? Another component that's directly tied to this has to do with um, the ability to succinctly get your point across. So we have a competition at the University of Buffalo, three-minute thesis. That encourages students to not tell a novel where they're maybe going on for 30 or 40 minutes, but an elevator pitch. I like that point, Chris. In addition, we should step back and talk about the balance between English proficiency growth and language inclusivity. That is a very tough teeter-totter to balance. Um, you know, inclusivity in language is really important when you're in the classroom or when you're in a job interview, you want to create that environment where everyone feels comfortable using their language and that you're promoting a safe learning environment. And oftentimes in the field of ESL in particular, we talk about comprehensible input and, and really trying to hit that spot where you're pushing your students just enough that they're learning and still acquiring um, but as we all know, that looks different for every type of student. And really where the, you know, rubber meets the road on that is that at the same time you're trying to do that, you're also differentiating instruction. And so in the classroom, that can look like different things in terms of large group work, small group work, individual work. I think being inclusive in terms of language proficiency is recognizing that no matter what level of intensive English or even in direct entry you're at, that you're going to have students that have a range of different abilities. And some are going to have higher level of ability in one skill area of English than another. I think it's important to value that and to recognize that, but also not to stereotype, right? Um, oftentimes, and there's great books about this, like uh, Swan and Smith, Learner English, that talk about, you know, Arabic speakers, for instance, have typically um, better levels of listening and speaking than they might have in reading and writing. So you can be inclusive, 
by noting that in your classroom and then using those skills to build the weaker ones. But as well, there's individuals that are going to buck that trend. And so being inclusive as a faculty member or even a staff member in a one-on-one advising session means getting to know your students personally. Kate, that is really good advice. Nelson, what would you like to add? I do know for international students right now, there's a research study where we're trying to look at the interplay between how much learning and institutional experience they have in their first language and how confident they are in their English language usage and what is their English proficiency. So one thing that we don't really have a good sense of is which of those three factors or what combination of those three factors are most useful for international students' academic, social, um, and a kind of emotional well-being and success at U.S. universities. So we're lucky that IELTS has funded a current research study where we just actually right now are in data cleaning from our third time point of looking at uh, this question specifically collected from uh, data from students across 14 universities in the U.S. Ratika, you can give us some insight as a student. I do know my friends who have um, a little difficulty comprehending or you know, like on the spot thinking. So they're given exemptions, like they're given a little extra time to prepare for assignments or they're exempted for certain call, cold calls in class because for them to think on their feet in English is, is a slight challenge. So um, that way, I think um, I, I'm very fortunate that I'm, um, I'm on campus with this school because they're very understanding when it comes to such very basic things. They really make us feel comfortable um, around language. Does this mean that students should be allowed to use their first language in class? From my experience of interacting with certain other students, I, I do realize that most students who do not have their first education in English, they kind of have a, a lag in the understanding or it could be a little bit of an obstacle that they need to work towards. So it's, it's a big thing because uh, it's like the underlying essence of everything language This is a really interesting question. And so faculty have come at this from all different types of directions. I personally feel like code switching can be a really positive thing, not just for students at a beginning level, but also because it enables us to take perspective and understand that language is really bound by social and cultural factors. And so it's not just words that are coming out of our mouths. You know, the way that we're conjugating verbs, the way that we're talking and thinking about things is really bound to the way that we see reality. Um, And so as you look at that across different parts of the world, it's important to value that and spend time on that. And especially for those, you know, that might be in the classroom that haven't had the chance to learn a second language or or maybe those that aren't going to have the opportunity to study abroad. Chris, your thoughts. Um, There's no restriction that they cannot use their first language in class. Um, but from the standpoint with an engineering, given its very technical nature, uh, in many cases, their English is the primary language that they're using um, through the method of instruction, and they're usually continuing that. Now, in their study groups and whatnot, they're open. There's no requirement. You have to speak in a certain language. And quite frankly, it's whatever is communicating the message clear, most clearly for them that they can also help with learning. 
since I, I believe language is such a basic thing that our first instinct is everybody thinks in their own language. So while I'm speaking, my first thought would be in my own language in my mind and then I have to translate. So I, I do see like people use their first language in their heads or they would use a translator to, you know, kind of translate the answer before they speak it out loud. But just because of uh, the logistical issues that most students wouldn't understand languages that we speak back at home, uh, we all communicate in English. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to the panel about considerations being taken when it comes to English language proficiency policies. Discussion is a core skill in both academic and work settings. The best way to determine an individual's ability to participate in a discussion is to see it in action. IELTS is unique in its assessment of this ability. Trust IELTS when you need to know for sure. Find out more at IELTS.org USA. Welcome back to Diverse Dialogues from IELTS USA. Today's panel is discussing the complex and expansive array of language influences that create cultural, academic, and social language environments to help international students to succeed. Universities and colleges are struggling with the need to maintain enrollment numbers, and so some have loosened their English proficiency requirements in order to be able to cast a wider net. To accommodate students with lower levels of proficiency, some have taken to offering translation of orientation materials and allowing students to use Google Translate and similar tools on their writing assignments. However, while language plays an important role in the classroom, it plays an even bigger role outside of the classroom, and a number of studies have examined the link between language proficiency and social integration and mental health of international students. Nelson, let's start with you as we get back to the conversation. For those who, who've read their research and, 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 and who know, this, this is really, really important for students to be able to use their first language in whatever capacities doesn't kind of interrupt the other flow of what needs to occur in a classroom for whatever reasons. I've been asked a few times by different people kind of asking, well, how come some faculty may, may not be as comfortable with that? And I've been, I've been trying to answer that question. It's, it's tough because a lot of the faculty that I interact with also are comfortable with this. So it's, it, it's, it's been something that, that has been really interesting um, to try to understand. And for me, one of the things that I tend to, to, to guess, right, because we, we hypothesize, of why, why is this? And I think part of it is, is that some, some faculty members, some individuals within societies are not comfortable when members that of, of an, of an outgroup of a different group that they may be a part of are communicating in a way that they can't follow. Right. If you walk into a room and three people who kind of seem to kind of look like they're all part of one group and different than you are all laughing. Right. We, we sometimes have that fear that people people are laughing at us and people are trying to trying to get one over on us. And, and you can usually tell by body language if that's actually what's happening. For the most part, people are usually just trying to communicate and could use a break um, from 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 English and, you know, from from using a second or third or fourth language uh, throughout their their day at, at university. I'm thinking now we just released this year for the first time ever the Yang Lu Award for Excellence in Teaching International Students. And I think we have an individual that has really promoted inclusivity in their classroom, um, both with English usage, but also with delivery of content in a discipline specific area. And the reason why it matters to elevate that at the university level is to recognize that language is the catalyst for everything else. So in other words, having that English facility in the classroom, 
or as students are graduating and they're getting ready for optional practical training and they're getting ready to interview, that's the catalyst for everything. If your English is good and you have come through classes with faculty members that are inclusive, you're going to succeed. You're going to get your degree and then later you're going to go on and you're going to get a job. And that's really you know, what drives a lot of the practice, I think, when we talk about excellence in teaching and learning, but also in the full student life cycle journey. And Chris? We don't want students to forget who they are while they're here, but we want them to learn to become, uh, DEI is a global term. I know in many cases, we think of diversity, equity, and inclusion being only a national term in the U.S. This is a global imperative that all of us need to participate in actively as change agents. So in particular for international students, we want them to know the important concept of adaptability, but then also not forgetting who they are. So while we are in an English speaking classroom in terms of the method of instruction, it's also very important that they don't forget who they are and they understand that it's, it's great to be able to share that culture and teach others and share that uh, common ground and language that they have with their friends who are here from the same culture, but then also to have the ability to share it with others. And then others will be able to learn because together, through more diversity, more, we're stronger. What about English language proficiency policies? You know, kind of going back to the concept of being inclusive um, in terms of policy making. Washington State is very focused on diversity, equity, inclusion within the context of higher education affordability and accessibility. And so as policies are made, especially getting into the front door of the university, there's a lot of thought as to what does that mean, not only for standardized language exams, but you know, I'll, I'll point to, for example, the bridge programs that we have, the undergraduate foundation, as well as the international masters. There's multiple ways for a student to enter Washington State University as an international student. And really, that's reflective of the fact that people have different accessibility and facility with their English and the types of support that they need um, with English, but also with other things in terms of navigating a U.S. university look really different. Um, and so what somebody needs if they're coming from Australia might be a little bit different than what somebody needs if they're coming from Japan or Oman or somewhere else. And it's obviously going to differ as well based on the study plan level. So what an undergraduate student needs might be quite different than from what someone at the doctoral level needs um, with their English. So um, at Washington State, the policies for admissions um, are something that we think about in terms of, well, how do we promote an environment and get a student into a situation that is right for them and in consideration of their background of English as well? Policy changes that welcome more students on campus with diverse language proficiencies and backgrounds allows for some unexpected challenges. Okay, so this is very interesting. Uh, it's, it's an outside classroom um, uh, incident that I can probably share here. So I live on campus, so I live in the university housing, and uh, I stay with another Asian friend. So we usually communicate on WhatsApp group when we have to share something about um, 
about you know like if any common thing in the household needs repair or something so that is where i realized that you know when we translate english using a google translator or any other translator the context changes and that is what i was referring to that you know how i would speak back in india would be a lot different when i realized when i speak here because i thought i was making an innocent sentence but the other one person could interpret very differently just because they use it in a different context you, you know what i mean and and that could be a probable um, i wouldn't really say a miscommunication but that's where we stop we, we usually pause and say okay i don't think we are all on the same page let us go back and and start all over again so just because we're speaking in english and we all perceive the language so differently at times there have been communication gaps that we have to consciously put an effort to kind of work towards it wasn't like an interpretation problem more in, in terms of the tone so i remember i was speaking to a housemate of mine on whatsapp group and i was speaking to her and i was texting and she was using capital letters for texting I, i and i want to tell her that usually when we speak in english and we're using capital it's a little aggressive so you don't use uh, an aggressive tone and and she would uh, i could sense that when she is replying to uh, my answers she's probably using a translator and when she would come back she would come in a very aggressive tone and that's when i took a moment to give her a call and say let's meet in person and talk because i think i'm not sure if you're on the same page when we're talking that absolutely seems like an unexpected challenge for you right so um these are very basic things that i i figured with my t- time here in the first semester when she would like not just her any other friend would send a text i would take a moment to understand what context they're speaking in like one example that i can probably think of is a lot of times the word freak out in india is also used in a very different way where we would just say like how we use hang out we we in india would also use it as okay let's go freak out but when we use it in america i realize people here freak out is is more of like oh i'm shocked you know like i freaked out so the context changed so those are very basic things that i can think of at the moment navigating these waters is tough and there truly is no right answer but i want to pose this question to our panel if you could speak to the powers that be in the industry what can they do to improve the educational journey of multilingual students let's start with the students perspective i think one uh which i think certain schools do take into consideration is the fact like um my entire education was in english so giving that a little uh, a little bit of uh, consideration while deciding on my application is is helpful because uh, you know i may not perform well on that one particular day of the exam but i've been speaking english all my life so that must be taken into consideration and the other i think is also uh, now that english has become such an international language putting into parameters of british english or american english would be incorrect whereas we need to understand that every jurisdiction has kind of evolved english in their own way so they may not be uh, correct in a certain parameter but that does not mean they're wrong because that's how the language in their country is being taught so i think a little bit of flexibility on what parameters you judge english well is is, is something they should look into nelson if we're working in policy in this space in a language space uh, in a university space a an increased in attention to and awareness of our international students experiences and that policies that they interact with outside of you know english language just 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 the amount of things they have to do when they come here in terms of transitions i think having an awareness of this and reflecting on that awareness whenever we're making policy will be really really important and 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 what i mean about an awareness i think the most 
succinct and useful awareness that I, I am able to share with people when we're in conversation around international students is I draw on life course theory. So life course theory is a developmental theory that says many important things, but one of the key tenets of it is that the more transitions that an individual makes, life transitions, big transitions, that an individual makes at one time, the more likely they are to have kind of decreasing trajectories of well-being, success, any, any positive outcome you really want for at least a period of time. And so what I mean by life transitions, right? You can think of things such as like childbirth or, or, or puberty or marriage, but also it goes for transitioning to universities, first job. And so when you think about the amount of transitions that an international student makes coming, say, to a U.S. university for the first time, it's staggering. They make a time zone transition, a language transition, a location transition, a weather transition. There's going to be allergies that they're going to have they've never had before. They make a food transition. They make a banking transition. They need a new cell phone. When they want to, they make a transportation transition as well, especially if they're at a university where you don't have strong public transportation. Um, I could go on in terms of naming. We can think about like living with someone as a roommate transition. When you're a laundry, like, and, and some of these are things that American students are doing too, but they make them very often without a lot of cultural context in which to help make those transitions. The amount of transitions they make at once are staggering. And the fact that so many of them are able to be, of our international students are able to be so successful in anything they're doing, whether it's engaging with students, whether it's joining in classrooms, being in discussions, uh, strong grades, internships, jobs, learning, contributing to the art and flourishing of campus, you name it, it really is astounding. And so I would think that if we're thinking from that mindset as a policymaker, that the last thing we would want to do is put one more barrier or two more or three more barriers in their web policy. Kate, same question to you. You know, I think I would say to the powers that be, we all construct our own realities. We're all living in these paradigms. You know, we're living at a time where we're more interconnected than ever. And we know that English is the medium to solve some of our interdisciplinary and interconnected problems and something simple like an entry exam for English really has to be taken into perspective of what it does for someone, right? What's the meaning of a score? Um, the meaning of the score is the opening of the door and whatever comes next, like those are the stories that we need to be telling, you know, a 6.5 on the IELTS doesn't tell somebody's story of what they did after they graduated and how they helped global food insecurity or whatever it is. And finally, Chris, what are your thoughts? The number one thing I will say um, is career, 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 career. Uh, student success readiness programs. Ultimately, student success, the end journey drives the recruitment and student mobility of a student to the university. Yes, financial drives it. I'm not, not disparaging that. I think that is a huge component. Affordability and access, number one, that's huge. But a very close second is the alignment of what your student outcomes are and the transparency of your student outcomes. Um, it's very easy for us in, in our industry in higher education to throw a bunch of numbers up on websites. We can make the website look pretty. We can have 
percentages are uh, students are employed 99%, 100% graduation rate of them, uh, and, and 100% of them are being employed. But what are they being employed in? What industries are they working in? What jobs are they getting? What is their career mobility? Uh, there needs to be an investment by universities and colleges. I believe this is a global problem in making sure that our career support services that exist on campuses are not just made for our domestic students, no matter what country we're in, understanding we have a substantial amount of constituents that we're serving in an international community, and we need specialized services for those students to help that. Making those connections, improving our support of international students on the career and professional development readiness will drive our recruitment and international student mobility. Thank you for listening to Diverse Dialogues from IELTS USA. Find out more at IELTS.org slash USA. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, Executive Producer. Jeremy Powell, Creative Director. Jacob Sutherland, Director. Producers Jason Gentarola and Matt Golden. And Kezia May, Copywriter. All rights reserved.